0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Couch GM's podcast. We are the Three Stooges. I'm your host, George Kurth, along with Tyler Snyder. Hey, hey. And Cody Rocat.
1: What is up, everybody? I hope you guys had a better week than I did. Fantasy didn't go well. As you saw on social, I had to get my nails done. Hasn't been a great week. If this is your first time listening to the Couch GM's welcome. A little about us, George, Tyler, and myself met in college and instantly bonded over with the NFL. We talk football every day and decided to record these conversations to provide some entertainment, a little bit of fantasy insight, and just talk football and have a good time.
2: So if you're wondering what you can expect from this podcast, we're going to do some weekly breakdowns and predictions of every matchup. We will pick the winners of every game, and whoever picks the worst is going to get punished, just like Cody did this week. So if you want to find out who gets punished next week, you're going to have to tune in next week as well. We're also going to have some fantasy advice for your teams, some bold predictions that we will probably get wrong, and just have some fun talking football.
0: And we want you all to get involved with the podcast as well. Ask us questions, talk some trash. Tell us why we're gonna lose this week. And you can do that on our social media channels, at the couch GMs, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Yeah, so as I've mentioned earlier, I had to get my nails done from finishing last week in our picks at six and eight. It's a bad week. Uh, Tyler and George didn't do much better, but they still won. Uh, Tyler got eight and six again, and George got seven and seven again. And just like Tyler mentioned, bold predictions haven't been great to start. Last week, I said a coach would be fired. No one got fired. Tyler said the Ravens would have two 100 yard rushers. Lamar had over 100 yards, but the running backs didn't do anything. George said the Packers versus the Buccaneers scored 70 combined points. And that wasn't even close, unfortunately. But, you know, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep coming up with predictions, and hopefully we get one right this week. Um, but before we get into the games, let's talk some headlines for this week. I don't know if you guys saw, but both David and Joku and John Ross have requested trades. Uh, do you think any of them get moved before the deadline, or what teams do you think might be interested? You know, if
2: Austin Hooper was destroying for the Browns, if he was kicking butt and he was a you know, a must-start fantasy guy every week, or just if he looked like a vital piece of the Browns offense, I would say that Njoku could be moved easily, but for some good uh, draft capital, because he is still a very good young tight end. However, Hooper really hasn't been impressing me, and I just think that the Browns are going to want to hang on to him. I mean, Baker has shown some struggles. Uh, When a quarterback starts struggling, usually the tight end is the number one guy you want to go to, Uh, He's your check down guy, your safety net. So I think that they're actually going to hold on to Njoku. Uh, As far as John Ross, he's an interesting case because he is a speedy receiver. He broke the record for the fastest 40 time, but he cannot seem to stay on the field. He's always injured, which to me, a receiver that can't stay healthy. It sounds like a perfect fit for the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: I was actually going to say the same thing. And especially with their need for speed, I feel like they've had since they signed Deshaun Jackson. And this year they went out in the draft and drafted a bunch of speedy receivers who are all not on the field, really. Uh, so John Ross just seems to totally fit that Eagles mold. Uh, but uh, now I think there's going to be some kind of market for these guys. I don't know if anything's going to get done. It's not going to be a big blockbuster move. You're probably going to see these guys traded for low-end draft picks if they are. Uh, But there doesn't seem to be much buzz in the NFL trade deadline in the last few years, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, and I think this year with the COVID restrictions not being able to be on a team for six days or whatever the exact deadline is for getting a new player, I would expect that a guy like John Ross might end up being just straight out cut. And Joku, I could see them holding on to um, just because Hooper hasn't been playing so well. But, you know, back to John Ross and his speed, he had such a good start last year. So I think if he does get released, you know, he could find a team and start building a career because he was a first-round pick. But, you know, there's another speedy receiver who's been off the field for a while. He's coming off an eight-game suspension. And there is buzz today that the Seattle Seahawks are making a big push for Antonio Brown after Week 8 when his suspension is over. Do you guys think A.B. comes back? You know, that was absolutely
2: crazy. As soon as the news broke that Antonio Brown uh, had some interest from the Seattle Seahawks and actually other teams do have interest as well. As soon as that news broke, I think every one of my fantasy leagues had an alert that Antonio Brown was picked up by somebody. Everybody rushed out to get him. You know, typically when a guy is out of the league for a while, Uh, He's been on a downswing like Antonio has. Usually people give up on him in fantasy, but there's something about Antonio Brown and the amazing games that he used to have and the seasons that he would win you your entire league single-handedly that just makes him such a special story, such a special guy to talk about. And yes, I really do think he comes back. Just like John Ross having potential value if he gets released, this year is so interesting with the COVID restrictions, there's guys being put on the COVID list left and right. There is more injuries this year than I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I think there's such a need for receiver in this league. It's almost impossible that Antonio Brown goes the rest of the year without getting at least signed by somebody.
1: You know, and you just mentioned the fantasy alerts. Uh, We play in a couple of years together. I was one of those people that went out and get Antonio Brown But if you haven't and he's still available in your league, if you guys have IR spots, take advantage of the fact that he's still suspended and that qualifies for fitting in the IR spot. So I pretty much dropped him for the defense, and then I'm just going to pick up a different defense for this week. And Antonio Brown is now sitting in my IR spot, and I get to wait it out. So just uh, always be thinking outside the box when it comes to fantasy.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you see a guy with IR uh, Short term IR that you know he'll probably be back later that year, or a suspension like Antonio Brown, there's no risk in stashing them. As long as you have the IR spots and you have spots available on your IR, then there's no reason you can't go stash a guy. There was earlier in the season, I know somebody who dropped a player before Sunday night's game, picked up Damian Harris. Before he came back stashed him on the IR and then because he was stashed picked up yet another guy and that guy ended up being Robert Tanyan who had his three touchdown game that week. Now those ended up being the top two waiver targets of the next week and this person already had both of them before that because they were able to you know mess with their team and go out and stash a guy like Damian Harris. Always do what's best for your team. There's always sneaky ways to try to get an advantage over your teammates and league mates as long as you're willing to put the effort in.
0: it's great advice, Tyler. And I think it's time to talk about somebody else who might have a little bit more uh, fantasy potential before we move on to our picks for this week. And that would be, it is finally Tua time, kind of. We have to wait until after the Dolphins bye week this week. But do you guys think that Tua is going to have any fantasy value this year?
1: I mean, besides fantasy, I just want to you know give a shout out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was playing maybe the best football in his career you could definitely see he loved it in Miami he was mentoring Tua and maybe he mentored a little bit too long to end up losing the job on a 500 team you know it's the second time this year a quarterback on a winning team gets benched um but back to your point about fantasy I do think Tua will have his ups and downs but I don't think it really affects Devontae Parker or Miles Gaskin that much I'm not running out to get Tua just because he is a rookie quarterback. He will have his ups and downs. And I wasn't a guy that's running out to get Justin Herbert. But he could turn out to be something special, especially late in the season, that could win a few leagues their championship.
2: Yeah, Cody, you mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. And this is a a sneaky move, but I would love to see it. The Eagles fans that listen to this podcast would not love to see it. But I would love – Ryan Fitzpatrick traded to the Dallas Cowboys. I think that is such a smart move. If they really are ready to go forward with Tua, and if Andy Dalton continues to struggle, yet still be in playoff contention, I think going out and getting a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick to lead that team would be a huge advantage. Granted, the defense is the issue there, but Ryan Fitzpatrick could be a guy to lead that offense back. As far as Tua, Man, I I was so excited for Tua time early in the season. I said there is nothing for the Dolphins to lose, so you might as well play Tua. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's been winning games. Now the Dolphins do have something to lose. They're actually in the thick of things. They are in playoff contention, surprisingly. So to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick now just seems so questionable to me. As far as fantasy, I would wait and see on Tua. There are some other quarterbacks out there you can go and get. You can go and stash. If you're desperate, Why not take a chance on him? But as far as fantasy, yeah, I'm going to wait and see on Tua. I'll
0: try to calm some Eagles fans down before we move on here. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be willing to get rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think they do really see him as that mentor, and they don't want it to hurt Tua's um, development to get rid of that basically coach backup quarterback um, before the season ends. So I don't think Fitzpatrick is going to go anywhere as much as I do think that would be an awesome fit seeing Fitzpatrick in Dallas
2: okay George do you think that Andy Dalton uh, though he's not the most spectacular talent on the field do you think that he could be a good enough coach or mentor that if they did a Fitzpatrick and Dalton with picks swap that it would still work out because Tua would still have a mentor
0: I think that would be the thought if that would be pulled off but I do not think Andy Dalton is a mentor type guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick I could be wrong. I mean, you don't see them in the locker room and he has been around, but I think there's journeyman quarterbacks who have seen so many different things always seem to fit well in that coaching role. I mean, you look at Josh McCown with what the Eagles are doing and they have him basically on the practice squad sitting in Texas just to sit in on virtual meetings and talk to Carson Wentz it's I think the same idea when you have a quarterback who's been through so much and seen so many different systems it's so much more valuable than someone like an Andy Dalton who has been in one place his entire career and not exactly been spectacular
1: yeah and I was just going to add on that I think Andy Dalton you know he picked Dallas because he wants another shot in the NFL so I don't even think Andy Dalton would agree to that trade because he wants to be the guy he wants to show off that he can still play so I think I don't see that trade happening just from a Andy Dalton almost blocking the trade. I mean, I don't know how much power he actually has in that, but I can see him being like, oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stick with my opportunity.
2: Okay, guys. Well, I think that's enough about Tua. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. Sadly, we have to wait two weeks to find out what Tua is going to do and how good he's really going to be in the NFL. However, let's move on to this week, our Week 7 predictions. Now, everybody just remember that we will post our picks on social media Make sure you tell us what your picks are, who you disagree with, talk some trash, and don't forget, the last two weeks, our punishments to the lowest uh, picker have both been fan suggestions. So if you're out there and you have an idea for what our punishment should be, don't be afraid to tell us. We might just pick it and might just put it on the air. So guys, let's move right on into this week's picks. Sticking with the NFC Least division, we have... The Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Uh, The Giants open as four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Who are you guys taking in this matchup?
1: Well, I don't think it's a surprise. For George, he'll probably pick the Eagles. But for me, I'm going to take the Eagles, and it was a tough decision. You know, Zach Ertz got hurt, but I don't know if he'll even be missed. He wasn't doing much. Travis Fulgham is balling out. Deshaun Jackson might be back. I hear Lane Johnson might be back. I think this team might finally be turning that corner, to getting a little bit healthy, and I just don't like the Giants, so give me the birds in this one.
0: I don't want to go as far as saying this team might be getting healthy because when you're down to two starters left on offense at the end of last week's game, I mean, I guess you could say getting anything back is getting healthy, but there's, they're a far away from being back to 100%. It'd be nice to see Deshaun Jackson and Lane Johnson back this week, I almost don't want Deshaun Jackson on the field, though, because I've seen how much these young receivers are making it work with Carson Wentz, and I kind of want to see that keep happening. I don't know if this team, I mean, it could win a division, but I don't think that they're going to really make any noise anywhere in the playoffs. I'd rather see them develop the young talent. I'm just excited to see the Eagles in a game that's winnable, because the Giants are just as bad or worse and I'm definitely picking the Eagles this week.
2: Yeah, guys, originally I picked the Giants to win this game. Um, Much to the dismay of the Eagles fans that listen, I know they love it when I pick against the Eagles. However, I just can't stick with them. Both of these teams are so bad, so you try to find an X factor. Who's going to make that step up? Who is going to take the edge to win the game? And I'm switching my pick back to Philly this week just because – Every time I see Carson Wentz in a primetime game, he seems to play 10 times better than any other game. I mean, we saw it with the Giants and Eagles game. He just he was a totally different quarterback than he was all season. So I just believe that Philly is going to build off the momentum of having that chance to tie the Ravens last week. Uh, the momentum of still being within this division, they just got to watch the Cowboys just absolutely implode so they know the division is there to take. I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one, especially with Deshaun Jackson back. I think he makes an immediate splash. I would not be surprised to see 100 yards
0: out of him. Um, Yeah, give me the birds in this one, guys.
1: Are you guys willing to start the Eagles defense or even Carson Wentz in this matchup?
0: Yes to Carson Wentz. I've actually tried to pick some matchups out for Carson Wentz in the last few weeks. I was forced to start him in a league last week against the Ravens, which I didn't want to, and he paid off big. I think he's starting to use his legs, which is going to be huge for fantasy value. Uh, The Eagles defense, I think, yes, again, I would start them. The Giants offensive line is atrocious and the best part of the Eagles defense is their defensive line. You could see a couple of sacks there and I don't expect the point total to be all that big. So I think they could have a good week as well.
2: Yeah, I agree with George there on the defense, especially the Giants defense has not broken 30 points all season, except for when they played the Cowboys who have a horrendous defense. Otherwise, they have had single digit games twice. They've had under 20 quite a few times this the de- offense is not good so it's not that the Eagles defense is that good it's that the matchup is so juicy
1: if you need a defense the Eagles are not a bad stream at all this week I agree with both of you on those so let's move on to the Sunday games we have the battle of Ohio the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals Cincinnati are three-point underdogs I think we're all going Cleveland here and does Baker's injury concern any of you guys I think the Baker injury is
0: very similar to what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo. It was nice seeing Jimmy G come back and play what looked like himself last week. It was probably another situation of he came back too soon, he wasn't quite 100% and didn't get a good week of practice, and it suffered. And I think now with another week under his belt, he'll be able to get back to a little bit more of the Baker Mayfield we've seen beginning of this season, and he'll be okay.
2: Yeah, I agree with George there. You know, Baker does concern me a little bit. Uh, it seems over the last two weeks, ever since he got injured, he's he's leaning weird every time he throws, as if he just can't seem to get his body in a comfortable position. It looks like an injury that is not just you know sharp and shooting. It looks like it's nagging. He's constantly in pain, and those kind of injuries are definitely scary to play with. And Baker really just looked out of sync last week. However, I still think the Cleveland offense is so dominant. And I think the Bengals are still young and building and trying to get their foothold in the league. So I think you still got to go with Cleveland in this one. Uh, However, I would not be surprised to see this game a lot closer uh, than many may expect.
1: Yep, I completely agree. Um, I think Kareem Hunt is a must start. I mean, I think he's been a must start since Chubb went down, but he should definitely be in your lineup this week. The Bengals' run D is pretty bad. Um, We might even see uh, Dearness Johnson sighting this week and I just want to note that Joe Mixon didn't practice on Wednesday he is a guy that can play through some injuries so I would expect him to still be out there this Sunday but if he's a little banged up you know we might see a little bit more than Giovanni Bernard he stole a touchdown from Mixon last week so make sure you set your lineups accordingly maybe you need a bigger boom in your flex to cover a Joe Mixon uh, a little lower performance
2: Absolutely, Cody. So, you know, we've mentioned the Cowboys quite a few times already in this podcast. So let's just go ahead and move on to their matchup. We have the Cowboys at the Washington football team. Now, this is a dead even spread. It's a pick'em. So I am going with Washington in this matchup. You know, originally I had Dallas. It's hard to pick against a team that has players like Zeke Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Cooper, etc. But that defense is so atrocious that I feel like Washington might finally look like an actual football team offense for a change. And, you know, Dallas, I think, is just going to be so out of sorts after last week. I still don't think they have fully bounced back from the loss of Dak. I don't think it matters what quarterback's really in there right now as much as I say they should go get Ryan Fitzpatrick. They just don't seem like they can bounce back mentally from the Dak loss. And their defense... I don't know what happened to them. I understand the Cowboy defense wasn't anything flashy last year, but there's a lot of players on that defense that you expected big things from this year, and they are just not showing up at all. Uh, um, Until that defense really starts to step up and look like it can stop anything, I'm going to pick against them. So I'm going to go with Washington in this one.
1: I can't blame you for doing that. I'm not going to lie. I flipped a coin. The home team was heads. It landed on tails. Tails never fails. I went with Dallas. That's, I mean, Vegas has them to pick them. That's how I picked them. You know, Zeke's fumbling issues do concern me, not only as a Zeke owner in fantasy, but it's so uncharacteristic. It's almost like he's lost the heart and passion now since Dak is out. So, but I think Dallas will can pull this out through Zeke if he has a bounce back week. And, you know, maybe Washington is a little down after missing that two-point conversion last week. Would you have guys gone for two last week if you were Washington? You know, I I would.
2: I would, honestly, because what does Washington have to lose at this point? I mean, you're playing against a team like the Giants, who are such a, you know, a joke of a team this season. And you're talking about going to overtime with them? Go for the win. Go for the win. The division is a joke. Your team is a joke. Just go for the momentum. And, you know, we're all bashing going for that. Well, you guys haven't put in your input yet. But a lot of the media is bashing Washington for going for that two-pointer at the end of the game there. However, if it would have worked, we'd all be saying that they're geniuses rather than criticizing them. It all depends on how it turns out. I don't blame the decision at all one bit. You know, it's nice to see a coach that actually has trust in the offense. It's a big boost of confidence to the offense to say, we trust you, go win the game. Um, See, it doesn't bother me at all that they went for it.
0: I agree there. I don't understand why everyone was bashing it so hard. I guess if it was someone like Kansas City where you're in a playoff race and, like, everybody is worried about every single win, sure. When you have a young team that is not going to go anywhere – I don't even want to say they have a chance to win the division, even though they do, just because that whole division's so bad, they're not going to get anywhere anyway. But if you're in that situation where you're a team that's not going anywhere and have one win, go for it. Just try to make some noise. Try to make your give yourself some kind of spark to get a couple of wins for the rest of the season.
2: So Cody, let me ask you a question here. Um, being a Green Bay Packers fan and seeing Mike McCarthy for years, after seeing the Cowboys struggle so heavily so far this season, do you believe that Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat?
1: I don't truly believe he's on the hot seat. I think Jerry Jones has showed in the past. If he hires a guy, he'll stick with them. But the reports coming out from unnamed players, which it's always which players are these because they went anonymous but that the coaching staff is unprepared, they can't teach. I don't know how much of that is true, how much of that can be put up for the lack of offseason, but I think Dak's injury might have saved McCarthy's job. If they continued continue to lose and Dak was still there, I definitely think the seat would be warmer, Um, but I think Mike McCarthy will be back next season for sure.
0: I just think it's shocking how people were joking that Aaron Rodgers led McCarthy to the Super Bowl, and now it kind of looks like it's true. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as people make it think. I mean, the media blows it up as well as people speaking with that emotion in the moment always make it sound worse. I don't think McCarthy's on the hot seat either though, because like you said, Jerry Jones kept the clapper for five years longer than he should have. So I don't see why McCarthy would be a one and done.
2: You know, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers there, uh, Last week, Aaron Rodgers had a questionable end zone celebration, and after that celebration, him and his team just completely fell apart, and the Buccaneers surprisingly blew out the Green Bay Packers. Now, this week, Green Bay has a little bit of an easier matchup against the Houston Texans. Do you guys see a bounce back from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, or do you think they're going to continue to struggle?
1: I fully believe Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers will have a bounce back. If you listen to any of the players after the game, they talked about how they realized they started getting over over themselves, you know, they came in thinking they're going 8 and 8. Now they were number 1 in the power rankings. They're starting to feel themselves and they said the kick in the ass is worth are is a good thing for them. So I definitely think they bounce back. Houston is hanging on for dear life. Their season could be over if they lose this game. So I think they'll put up a good fight, but I definitely think Green Bay bounces back and wins this one.
2: Yeah, I I think that Houston is actually underrated, uh, especially, you know, as a Titans fan watching Houston just ball out last week. They looked great. You know, anytime you're facing a team that has Deshaun Watson at quarterback, there's always a potential of losing that game. Deshaun is such a great quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks of our generation, even with all the terrible moves that Bill O'Brien has made to that team. You know, they're still a very competitive team. They have David Johnson, who looks like he is having a slight resurgence this year. He looks a lot better than he did in previous years. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but Will Fuller has looked like he has really taken a step up this year. And he's been able to stay healthy so far, knock on wood. Um, So you can't really underestimate Houston. However, I do think that Green Bay is going to win this game. Houston's defense, I don't think, is going to be able to keep Aaron Rodgers and the Packers down. For too long. They just gave up a 200 yard rushing game to Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones looks like one of the most exciting running backs of this season. He has looked really good to start the year. So I, I don't think that Houston's defense is going to be able to keep Green Bay down. However, I think it could be close. I think it could definitely be a very high scoring, exciting game.
0: I'm with you on it's going to be close. I'm also still taking Green Bay, but I think we're getting back into the territory of, we tried to argue earlier in the season, any team with Deshaun Watson always has a chance to win. Tyler mentioned that. I agree. I think that team's kind of gotten back together now that Bill O'Brien is gone, gone. Uh, but Green Bay did need that like gut check. And a lot of teams in the past that have had 12 wins have gotten better, 12 plus wins, have gotten better after that loss that you didn't expect them to take in the middle of the season that was going to be a really bad one. I know the 2017 Eagles, just out of the top of my head, had won um, early in the season and then went on a run of seven or eight games in a row. So I would not be shocked to see Green Bay pull that off again.
1: I, I agree. Uh, each year it seems like there's you know a surprisingly blowout that no one saw coming that propels the team going forward. Um, but Tyler mentioned – Will Fuller looking good, but I want to talk about Brandon Cooks. You know, since Bill O'Brien left, he's seeing nine-plus targets a game. Do you think Brandon Cooks is overtaking Will Fuller? Is Will Fuller still the guy that you start every, every week and Brandon Cooks, um, depending on matchups? What are your guys' thoughts on Brandon Cooks?
2: Well, I don't think Will Fuller is a guy that you're starting every week, no doubt. Um, You're you're still going to have to play the matchups on that one. So Will Fuller is listed as the number one receiver, and I think teams are going to look at the way that the Texans have played this year, and they're going to view Will Fuller as the number one receiver. With that being said, that means he is going to be seeing the number one corner. So if you're going up against a team that has a really good cornerback one and not so great cornerback two, Brandon Cooks could have a huge game. However, if you're going up against a team that has, you know, slower corners or corners that can't keep up with the speed receivers like Will Fuller too well, then Will Fuller could have a huge game. I think you have to play the matchups with these two guys. Neither one of them are must starts. However, it is definitely comforting seeing Brandon Cooks finally start to step it back up. He was one of the most frustrating fantasy players to start the year. I'm glad to see that he's
0: at least looking startable now. I was trying to back up Brandon Cooks uh, so much at the beginning of the season, and he was just not doing it, and now he finally is. I think he finally did get a rapport with uh, Deshaun Watson, and it is nice to see him playing well again. I don't think he's an every-week starter either, but he could be a really good flex play when you're deep, uh, deeply hurt with bye weeks. Uh, Will Fuller, I do think, is going to be the better option. Will Fuller has done nothing but ball out whenever he's been healthy in the past. The key word there, though, is healthy. I'm worried if he does get hurt again, we're just going to have the same over and over again. But if he's healthy, I think he almost does have to be in your lineup.
2: And speaking of fantasy, if you are an Aaron Rodgers owner... Uh, don't panic because he had a bad week last week. He is still a great fantasy quarterback. If you were wondering if you should panic on him, he would teach you how to spell and tell you to R E L A X. He's still a great quarterback moving forward. Do not fear with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback.
1: That's some great advice. So let's uh, let's move on to our next matchup. You know the Detroit Lions—they're coming off a win. The Atlanta Falcons are coming off a win. The Lions are headed to the Falcons. Falcons are actually favorite in this game after last week's win. We're all taking the Falcons, surprisingly. But guys, is Julio back or was it just the Vikings D? I remember a
0: couple of weeks back on this podcast, we were talking about Julio and we were saying, wait for him to have that one big week because he's going to have that one big week and then try to sell him. We found our big week. It was last week. I don't think that this is going to be him the rest of the season. I'm still worried that he's going to regress. He's not going to be the same Julio. I would be trying to sell him. I don't think he's back.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I talk about it every week. I've been one of the biggest Falcons supporters this season, despite their disappointing season. They have such a good offense. When fully healthy, they have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, two of the best receivers in the entire NFL. Then you have Russell Gage, who has shown some great flashes. Alamedi Zacchius, he has looked great too as a no-name. I'm really surprised if I pronounced that correctly. You still have Todd Gurley at running back, Hayden Hurst at tight end, and Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP at quarterback. They have the pieces they are a great offense still. They haven't shown that they're struggling on offense except for a couple games. Their issue is blowing big leads. Now, if you're facing a team like Minnesota, who, you know, Kirk Cousins not really a come-from-behind kind of guy, they're going to have wins. They're going to surprise some people. Uh, I am surprised that all of us picked Atlanta in this matchup, but I think Atlanta's not out of this yet. They're still going to win some games, guys.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm going to disagree with you, George. I do think Julio is back in a sense. Um, Matt Ryan plays so much better when Julio is out there. And I still think Ridley is the guy that's going to eat away at the touchdowns. Julio's never been the touchdown guy. But I, I think if you're going to sell Julio, you should sell him with caution. It's not just a trade a name. Make sure you're getting something good in return because I do think he'll be fantasy relevant the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, speaking of which... George, you just pulled off an interesting trade in a Dynasty League. Now, if there's anybody out there that's listening that is in a Dynasty League, uh, maybe you can take some notes on this trade. George, you traded Julio. You got some draft capital for it. Uh, Explain the trade and why you did it.
0: Uh, So I actually traded Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. I had that stack in that Dynasty League, and I moved on from both of them for a first-round pick and a third-round pick in next year's rookie draft. Uh, my team had a lot of talent, but it was struggling with a lot of injuries. It also had Michael Thomas, who you all know, missed most of the season, and Miles Sanders, who has had missed week one and really cost me a big win to start the season. So I thought it was a good idea for me to try to get younger. A lot of my team was older, starting to get up to that point where they start to regress. It's typically what we're talking about with Julio right here. So if you're in a situation in a dynasty or even a keeper league where you're like starting to get... I might not be in the playoffs. It's not a bad idea to try to trade someone like a Julio Jones for a high draft pick. I still think you have to get a first-round pick out of Julio, and that's what I did. I had to throw Matt Ryan in, which didn't bother me to get the owner to agree to it, and I still got basically a three out of Matt Ryan. And Quarterbacks don't have as much value, so that is okay. But no, definitely don't be afraid to trade some of those older guys for draft capital because you can end up getting some good rookies and make your team longer for the future in a dynasty. A dynasty is not a sprint. It is a marathon.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked so much about Atlanta, but let's go over to Detroit for a second. Uh, Do you guys think that DeAndre Swift is finally starting to take the reins in Detroit? And how confident do you feel starting him in fantasy?
1: I've gone back and forth with what my thoughts on DeAndre Swift, uh, ever since last Sunday and when I come down to it it's just not a guy that I want Matt Patricia comes from the Bill Belichick running back by committee Adrian Peterson hasn't looked great but he's still seeing 10 plus carries a week Swift got the touchdowns this week but they could easily be Peterson's next week so he's just not a guy that I'm willing to start confidently maybe a flex play on bye weeks but not a guy I'm looking for moving forward I think he has
0: to be owned, though. I agree, Like you can't start him with confidence yet, but Matt Patricia is coaching for his job right now, and I feel like he's eventually going to realize he has to play his best players to try to make himself survive to be coach next season, and he has to realize that DeAndre Swift is not only the future of that team, but a late-in-his-career Adrian Peterson is not as good as DeAndre Swift is now. So I think you're eventually going to see more carries go towards him, You have to wait and see if Patricia doesn't do it for whatever reason, but he needs to be rostered, and just you have to see if he starts getting more carries.
2: Absolutely. DeAndre Swift is one of our exciting young running backs. He may even be a surprise this season later on, but one of the biggest surprises this season, at least to me, would have to be Mike Davis on the Carolina Panthers, which will move us right into our next matchup. We have the Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. Carolina is 7.5-point underdogs. And guys, Mike Davis has stepped in for Christian McCaffrey and he has looked really, really good. It has made the Panthers willing to just, you know, wait on McCaffrey, make sure he's fully healthy by the time he comes back. Don't rush him back. Uh, Do you think that having Mike Davis performing so well is actually going to eat into any of the carries for Christian McCaffrey? Or is he just way too good to have that happen?
1: The way Mike Davis is playing, he's almost earned a spot on the field, even when McCaffrey comes back, as hard as that is to believe with the talent McCaffrey is. But I think, you know, high ankle sprains are never easy to come back from. So even when McCaffrey comes back, I think we'll see him ease into things. It could be multiple weeks after he comes back before he starts dominating offensive snaps like we're become accustomed to.
0: I agree with you, Cody. I was regretting this question coming up because I really didn't know what to say. CMC is an all-world running back. You almost really can't take him off the field, which is why he had led the NFL in touches and percentage of team scrimmage yards the last two years by so much because he's just so good. But Mike Davis has made that offense work, and it's confusing, but I feel like you do have to play him at least some You're not going to see a 50-50 split by any means, but you're going to see CMC get worked back in slower, I believe, like Cody said, and it's going to make fantasy a headache with that offense for a couple of weeks until CMC finally gets back to 100% and takes a majority of the carries.
2: You know, Mike Davis isn't the only surprising guy on the Carolina offense. Another guy that has really shown flashes this season, has really caught the league by storm, is Robbie Anderson. You know, Robbie Anderson wasn't a guy that anybody had high hopes in. Everybody liked DJ Moore, but not so much Robbie Anderson. Maybe a wide receiver three or four. uh, Potential flex play on bye weeks. But Robbie Anderson has really stepped up. He's been putting up big points. Do you guys trust Robbie Anderson? Is he a wide receiver one?
0: I don't know if a wide receiver one. He's probably in the high-tier wide receiver two category right now. He's probably earning the matchup proof label as well. He's been very consistent and very good this entire season so far. And having Teddy Bridgewater there is the first time he's had a relevant good quarterback for a majority of his career. So I don't know if I would go as far as wide receiver one, but wide receiver two, I'd be pretty confident with saying he is that right now.
1: Yeah, I would have to disagree. I think Robbie Anderson, at least from a fantasy perspective, will be a wide receiver one the rest of the season. Um, maybe not a top five guy, but definitely, you know, those top 12, you consider wide receiver ones. And as someone who owns him in a dynasty league, a a new person in the dynasty league, that was my wide receiver one, essentially going into the season. It has been great to see this oncoming of new talent. And I definitely think his connection with Matt rule dating back to college has played a big role in it.
2: Yeah, speaking of wide receiver one, guys, let's talk about the wide receiver one of fantasy coming into the season, and that was Michael Thomas. He was the top wide receiver drafted in almost every single league. Two weeks ago, he was expected to play, and he was benched before the game started for as a punishment because he threw punches in practice. They had a bye week last week, so you would expect that Michael Thomas would be able to go this week. However, It was said that in practice yesterday, he did come onto the field. He practiced the start and then left with the trainers later on in the practice. Uh, They asked head coach Sean Payton about it, and he said that he is unsure if Michael Thomas will be able to play this week. He is not being disciplined anymore, but they're unsure if he's going to be able to play. And they're saying that it's not just an ankle injury, but is now a hamstring injury as well. If you are a Michael Thomas owner, I am sure you are monitoring this situation closely, but this could drastically change the New Orleans offense. So, Cody, are you picking against the Saints with Michael Thomas potentially not being in there?
1: I'm not. I'm going to stick with the Saints, and that's just because the Carolina run defense is pretty bad near the bottom in the rankings, and Alvin Kamara has been playing lights out, and we saw it a little bit with Michael Thomas gone. Alvin Kamara can carry the load, and I think he'll continue to do it this Sunday.
2: I agree with you, Cody. I'm also going to take New Orleans in this one. Uh, Just another little side note for this game. Joey Sly did come in close contact with someone who had COVID. So the Panthers kicker is on the COVID list. They will have to get a new kicker. Uh, I don't think that swings this matchup too much. I am sticking with New Orleans in this one. Even without Michael Thomas, I believe they still have the talent on that roster to get it done. Give me New Orleans.
0: I was burned earlier in the season for picking against Carolina, and especially with Michael Thomas potentially not playing makes me even more confident, and I'm going to go with Carolina. And I'm not even just going to go with Carolina. I'm going to put my bold prediction on this game as well. So if you look at the spread, currently it sits at Carolina plus 7.5, so they're an underdog by 7.5 points. I'm going to go ahead and flip that and say Carolina minus seven and a half. So I think Carolina is going to win this game by eight points or more.
2: Okay, I think it's possible if Carolina does win, they could definitely win by that much. George, are you more confident in the Carolina offense to get this done? Or do you think the Carolina defense is what's going to be the key factor in this one?
0: I mean, the Carolina run defense does scare me. I'll give some credit to Cody for pointing that one out. I think it's the Carolina offense that's going to pull them out of this. Mike Davis has been making that offense work. We talked about him a little bit earlier. And Robbie Anderson, Teddy Bridgewater has been fantastic. I think it's going to be a shootout, one of those typical NFC South games that you see that are always good for fantasy and good for watching. And Carolina is going to just outscore them.
1: And speaking of fantasy, if Michael Thomas can't go, would you start both Trey Quinn Smith and Emmanuel Sanders or just one of them?
2: I've started Emmanuel Sanders in the past with Michael Thomas out and he put up a dud for me and it made me lose the matchup. I don't have any trust in Emmanuel Sanders. I do like Trey Smith. I think he has the upside. He definitely has the deep ball ability more than Emmanuel Sanders, do- Emmanuel Sanders does at this age. Um, However, I'm not starting them unless I really have to, unless I'm really struggling at receiver. I'm just going to leave that passing offense alone. I'd almost rather have Jared Cook than either of those two receivers. Um, But really, the only for sure play in this game for me would be Alvin Kamara.
0: I kind of disagree when it comes to Emmanuel Sanders. I think... Now that he started to earn the trust of Drew Brees, you saw him with 10-plus targets in, I believe it was the last two games, and he had started to look like a PPR beast without Michael Thomas, that is. Michael Thomas normally has that role. So if Thomas is out, I would think about starting Emmanuel Sanders, especially if you need it for some bye week help. I don't really like the inconsistency of Traquan Smith, so I'd avoid him, though.
1: All right, George, real quick before we move on. Michael Thomas is out. Emmanuel Sanders or Travis Fulgham?
0: Ooh, put my fandom at risk here. I would probably have to lean Emmanuel Sanders, but the thing about that is you don't know what's going to happen by Thursday night, so I think I would have to start Fulgham just because of the timing of that game.
1: That's smart. All righty. Well, let's move on to a game that is probably going to be pretty boring. I don't have much to say. The Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Give me Buffalo. The Jets suck. The Jets. I I don't have much to add to that.
2: (laughs) That's pretty much all you need to say. Uh, I mean, we could talk about Buffalo for just a second here. You know, Buffalo is coming off back-to-back losses. They, you know, you can blame this past week on the rain, and that could be why Josh Allen struggled. But the, the thing about Buffalo that's bothering me is both weeks that they have lost. Now it has seemed that by you know, midway through the third quarter or start of the fourth quarter, when they were losing, they seemed to give up. The team just lost all hope. They lost, you know, the will to play. And they just, they didn't seem like they wanted to win by that point. If they weren't winning already, they seemed like they gave up. Especially Stephon Diggs in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen was going for that hurry up to try to get down the field, get some quick points. And Stephon Diggs was just slowly walking back to the line like he didn't care. And that is not something I like to see from a team. That just means to me that there is some poor leadership. You need to have somebody to whip those guys into shape, show them, hey, we're not out of this, we're never out of this. And I think that has to be Josh Allen's job. So if Josh Allen can't step up and be a better leader, Buffalo might lose more games this year than originally expected.
1: I can see that, but you're not saying they're going to lose this week, are you?
2: Oh, absolutely not. No, the Jets are horrible. I said it every week so far. I will continue to say it. Jets are going to go 0-16. I haven't been wrong so far. And you know what? I hate the Jets so much and think they are so terrible that I'm going to give my bold prediction. Uh, if there's any statistician out there, let me know the last time that this has happened. But I believe that the New York Jets are going to get shut out for the second consecutive week if anybody can tell me the last time that a team has been shut out back-to-back weeks that would be great because i can't seem to find the information but yes i think the jets are going to get shut out again buffalo is going to absolutely dominate this is going to be the comeback that buffalo needs and it's going to start a resurgence until their next loss
1: uh yeah so i mean we're going to start everyone with the bills this week is there anyone from the jets you're worth playing i know crowder has been up and down, but are you guys playing him against this defense, or don't touch the Jets?
0: Crowder seemed to actually have done well no matter who they're playing, even though they're so bad. I mean, it's probably because volume, because they're having to throw the ball so much. Uh, I think he's the only one I would consider. I was forced to uh, emergency start Frank Gore in a league last week, and I am not proud of it, and it was a couple points that I wouldn't had otherwise, but no, just Crowder, and I would still try to avoid him, but he hasn't been an awful option so far.
1: You know, speaking of Frank Gore, he's, this is completely off topic, but I would definitely like to see him traded at the deadline to at least a team that's somewhat contending. Yeah, but I mean, at the, guys the same are around time, forever.
2: where else is he going to go that he's going to start? I mean, Frank Gore does still have the ability, but the Jets are pretty much the only team that are bad enough that they can afford to start Frank Gore at this point. I mean, opinion. I'm not
0: worried about him starting. Um, I kind of just want to see him get a ring. He, he's one of those guys that deserves it. I think that's what Cody was getting at.
1: Yeah, the Shady McCoy from last year hopping on the Chiefs before, and then wasn't even active for this role, but he still got a ring. So, But that's enough Jets talk for one week the whole season. Let's move on to the game of the week, in my opinion. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans. This game actually flipped. Tennessee was originally the underdog, but they are now the favorites by one point. And I'm going to pick the underdog. Sorry, Tyler. Don't hate me for – don't not talk to me. But I'm picking with Pittsburgh. I'm very curious to see Derek Henry versus this run defense. I talked about it last week. This run defense is very good. And I just think Pittsburgh will have a little bit more energy because this is the game that was supposed to be played before the first – COVID, rescheduling, and Eric Ebron might ball out because he's going to miss his daughter's birthday now because his bye week got changed.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it is the moment you've all been waiting for. It is the two best teams in the AFC right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans, facing off against each other, undefeated versus undefeated. Only one will remain because we are not the Eagles and Bengals. There will be a winner, and I am going with my boys, Tennessee You know, I don't feel as confident with this game as I have in previous weeks. Pittsburgh is a very, very good team. They have a great run defense. And, you know, the other big issue is Taylor Lewan, the Titans' starting left tackle, is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, However, Devin Bush, one of the best defenders on Pittsburgh's defense, is also out for the year with a torn ACL. I'm not sure what the Titans are going to do with the backup left tackle. He hasn't looked good last week. Not sure how he's going to hold up. But guys, you know, Pittsburgh dominated last week because they were able to stop the run of the best running team in the NFL. And they forced Baker Mayfield to throw. And he couldn't handle the pressure. He crumbled. Pittsburgh dominated. And I can't believe I'm saying this (laughs) being so skeptical of Ryan Tannehill when we first traded for him. But if you force Ryan Tannehill to throw... We can still beat you. Tannehill looks phenomenal. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, the way he's playing. Don't at me. He is in the MVP conversation. Derrick Henry's dominant. Uh, Ryan Tannehill looks great. Corey Davis is going to be back in this game, so the Titans have all of their offensive weapons. You know, I just think that Tennessee has the ability to get things done and, And you know, the other thing, being a Titans fan, they always seem to win the games they're not supposed to win. They struggle against the teams they should beat easily, and they handle the teams that they're not supposed to win. Buffalo was the biggest opponent we faced all season. They were the team that was favored to beat us by the most, and we crushed them. And you know, Pittsburgh's another team that a lot of people in the media do not think will be able to handle. Give me Tennessee in this one, guys. I really would love to see them go 6-0 and for the first time since 2008. And, you know, I think Pittsburgh and Tennessee are going to see each other again in the playoffs.
0: I'm going to go with the Titans fan here and pick the Titans in this one. I I feel like I should start letting the pedal off of Pittsburgh a little bit, but they played a good team, dominated with their quarterback being hurt and really not looking well. So I don't want to give him all that much credit for that one, even though maybe I should be. Um, but, I mean, there's one player that Tyler didn't mention that I want to mention, and that's A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown being back has been a huge boost for my fantasy teams and for the Tennessee Titans offense. He's been able to help them stretch the field. He's been basically filling the role of all the receivers there because he had so many receivers out with the COVID issue, and they didn't miss a beat because he was back.
2: Absolutely. And if there's any fantasy owners out there who are looking for a stream this week, keep a close eye on Johnu Smith's health. It is questionable whether he is going to play this week or not. And if he doesn't pick up Cody's favorite player, Anthony Furkser. The tight end for the Titans. The Titans have proved all season and all of last season that the tight end is one of the most important positions on our entire offense. No matter who's playing tight end, they always make sure to get him the ball. And last week, Anthony Ferkser had 100 yards receiving and a touchdown when John U. Smith got injured. He is a great stream to go out there and get. He is owned in about 4% of leagues. Go get him. He's a great stream this week.
1: Yeah, like you said, though, make sure you're watching the injury because I did see that Jonu Smith still has a chance to play this week. So if Jonu Smith is active, even if he's splitting snaps, I don't know if I'd play Ferkser in that case, even though I do love his name. Let's go to another game, though, in the 4 o'clocks that's going to score a lot of points, at least we think. The Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals are coming off that big Monday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. Apparently, because they play the Cowboys, we're all going to pick against them and take Seattle. But really, guys, the over-under is at 56 points, and I feel like smashing the over. What do you guys think? I mean,
0: I had an over-under in a game last week that was that high, and that was that Packers and Buccaneers game that I was like, got to hit the over, and I put my bold prediction to be way over, and it ended up being the under. I almost feel like a lot of times these games end up being underwhelming. And I wouldn't really be shocked because, you know, Seahawks defense looks really good again. I think Seattle could put up a lot of points. I kind of wouldn't be shocked if Arizona is a little bit underwhelming. We forget that Kyler Murray really didn't look good in that game against Dallas. He completed less than 10 passes, even though they won. And you, it was basically all remedied by the fact that he ran the ball well and he hit a couple of deep balls.
2: Yeah, you know, I could see the overhitting. I could also see the underhitting. It really depends what Kyler Murray we're going to get. We've seen the Kyler Murray that looks like he should be in the MVP conversation, and we've seen the Kyler Murray that throws multiple interceptions and takes his own team out of the game. If we see the MVP-level Kyler Murray show up, you know, this could be a very exciting game, especially because we have two mobile quarterbacks. Guys, we have a chance to see maybe, I don't know, potential – Another bold prediction, 200 yards rushing between the two quarterbacks. You know, it's it's possible. These two quarterbacks are some of the best rushers in the league. Um, but, you know, I'm going to stick with Seattle in this one. I still think Seattle has the better team. I know they're eyeing up Antonio Brown, but at the same time, I don't think they even need to with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Um, give me Seattle in this one. However, I do have a question for, you know, I'll, I'll th- shoot this one to Cody. Kenyon Drake looked terrible to start the year. He looked like they were trying to give him some momentum two weeks ago when they forced him to get a touchdown near the end of the game. And then last week, he struggled to start and just broke out in the second half with that long touchdown to end the game. Do you have more confidence in Kenyon Drake moving forward, or is he still a sketchy player for you?
1: I think because he was playing Dallas, he'll still be a sketchy, player moving forward at least till he does it again maybe not to the same level but builds up some faith in him but Seattle's defense isn't very good either so this week I have no problem playing him
2: okay well let's move on to uh, another team that is not very good we have the Jacksonville Jaguars and they are facing the very young team of the Los Angeles Chargers Uh, Jacksonville is an eight-point underdog all of us are taking the Chargers in this one You know, Cody, you're one of the biggest fans of Minshew mania and of the Jaguars offense this year. Um, You don't give them any chance to win this one?
1: No, I just think coming off a bye, Justin Herbert is going to start balling. I mean, he's already been balling, but I think he'll be even more comfortable. You know, I'm not going to say the travel has anything to do with it because it's a 4 o'clock game. You know, I like to say that. Um, But really, I think Melvin Ingram, being back or at least he should be back coming off IR I think that'll help free up Bosa and he will just create a lot of havoc for Minshew and I know the Chargers are eight point favorites but I think this game it probably eight points will probably be the difference but I think this game will be incredibly high scoring I think Minshew is playing for his career essentially I think DJ Chark is getting healthy. Keelan Cole looked good last week. Even though I'm picking the Chargers, I still think this game, and it will be my bold prediction for this week, will have the highest combined scoring total. Um, I just think these two teams will have a lot of fun throwing it all around the yard. And a lot of people won't see it because they'll be too busy watching Seattle and Arizona.
2: You know, George, I know that you're also a closet Chargers fan, as much as you won't admit it. You always root for the Chargers every year after you root for the Eagles. You know, you paying closer attention to this team. What do you think of the Chargers backfield? Do you trust Justin Jackson? Do you trust Josh Kelly? Are you just biding your time and waiting till Eckler comes back or are you not touching this backfield at all?
0: From a fantasy perspective, no, I don't think I can touch this backfield. I've been really confused with how they've been using Justin Jackson more than Josh Kelly. Like Josh Kelly, actually, I feel like he's lost a percentage of his touches from compared when Austin Eckler was there to now when it's just him and Justin Jackson. I like Justin Jackson. He's not a flashy back. He's going to basically do what he needs He needs to do to keep the team in the game. He's not going to be any kind of fantasy asset. Um, so if he's going to be leading the charge, no, I do not think you can trust this backfield. If they somehow, after the bye, decide to flip the script and bring Josh Kelly in for 80% of the snaps, then maybe next week I'll come back on that, but not with the way it's going right now.
2: You know, Josh Kelly's not the only frustrating rookie running back this year. Where are the rookie running backs? Why are teams afraid to play the rookie running back? I mean, we have Josh Kelly, who's been non-existent. Antonio Gibson is getting phased out of the offense. I Don't even get me started on Cam Akers and where he went. DeAndre Swift, it took him all season to finally start getting used. And, you know, there's many more. J.K. Dobbins, where has he been? You know, there's so many rookie running backs that should be getting carries and or dynamic young players, and they're not getting used. What is going on?
1: I, I can't give you a good answer. You know, I, I do know they're on bye this week, but Mark Ingram for the Ravens does have an injury. We'll probably talk about it next week. So maybe next week we start to see JK, Dobbin, do, JK Dobbins start to ball out and become that guy that they thought they were getting. And even, you know, Clyde Edward DeLair, he looks great as a rookie running back. But the team went out and got Lev Bell, so he'll probably start losing some snaps. Jonathan Taylor hasn't looked great. You're right, these rookie running backs are completely overshadowed by how well the rookie receivers are playing this year.
2: Absolutely agree, and we can move on to a a game that has a very exciting young rookie receiver. We have Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, He is going up against the New England Patriots. The Niners are two-point underdogs, which is... A little bit surprising to me. I know the Niners haven't looked fantastic lately, but honestly, the Patriots just got shut down by the Broncos, so they're not looking too great to me either. Um, Who are you guys taking in this matchup?
0: I'm going to go with the Patriots here in this one. I think last week was a fluke. I don't think that you can see a Patriots team coached by Bill Belichick go off and play that poorly every single week. It does completely shock me that they are 2 and 3 I still think that Bill was the reason that they were so good and not Tom Brady and that's kind of coming back to bite me but I'm going to stick to my guns and see if it flips I don't know San Francisco looked better they look they they might not be that Super Bowl team again this year but Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy has been better I'm just going to go with Bill Belichick in this one
1: Yeah I'm going with Bill Belichick too and you know San Francisco is probably not going to be that Super Bowl team they're just so injured and we'll get to that in just a couple minutes. But I agree with you. I think the Patriots, although they lost last week, I think Cam Newton, you know, going through the COVID, I think he's like the first star we've seen and his play style is so physical. And I just think you can see that time off and then the effects that the the virus does have just really his energy wasn't there. And I do expect that to be back as he plays more games This week, and I think Cam Newton will have a bounce-back week. I don't think the Patriots, coached by Belichick, can lose two in a row. And I think there is still some home field advantage about going to Gillette Stadium. So that's why I'm taking the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you guys here. I'm picking San Francisco in this matchup. I I think the 49ers defense is finally starting to take that step back towards greatness that we saw in previous years. Uh, Well, I guess not greatness, but They're definitely getting better, and with Jimmy Grapes back, they looked so much better on offense. Even when Raheem Mostert got injured, Jarek McKinnon can still step in there and dominate. Uh, He did in previous weeks when Mostert was injured. I still think they have the offensive weapons uh, at receiver, and you have George Kittle. There is no good way to stop George Kittle. I think that San Francisco is still – the better team in this matchup. I think new England is overrated. I know they got off to a hot start preseason. I picked the Patriots to go six and 10 this year. So I I really don't expect much from the Patriots. I'm going to go with San Francisco in this matchup. And, and, you know, I mentioned it already, but uh, Raheem Mostert injured, Jarek McKinnon stepped in in previous weeks. We do have Jamichael hasty. He stepped in and looked pretty good this past week as well. Uh, You also have the return of Tevin Coleman looming. Uh, Are there any running backs fantasy-wise for San Francisco that you guys
0: are starting with confidence? Are we talking this week or season long here? Both. This week, Jarek McKinnon, I think, is going to go off. With all the injuries that have been happening, he had a a stretch of a few good weeks at the beginning of the season, and we're almost back in the same situation. So if it's just him and Hasty especially, we're – run with Jarek McKinnon this week, season long. Last week I had said no, and then Mostert came back and looked good again, and I think I'm going to have to agree with what Cody said last week, and Mostert would be your longer-term option, but he's never going to be an RB1 because of the split that happens there. But he could be a most-week starter for you from that offense.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I agree with George, that this week I would play McKinnon, I don't love the matchup. I still think the Patriots' defense is pretty good. Um, but I would play McKinnon. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Hasty is actually inactive. You know, he's predominantly a special teams player. And then Jeff Wilson being the guy that splits with them. But long term, with Mostert's injuries, Tevin Coleman coming back, McKinnon, Wilson, all the guys, there's not any of them that I want long term. I know McKinnon was a hot topic amongst waivers this week. I passed on him mostly because I don't see him being a factor two weeks from now.
2: There you have it, guys. If you're in fantasy and you have Jarek McKinnon, feel free to throw him into your lineup this week. But after that, you know, maybe leave him on the bench. See if you can find some better options. Maybe even trade him if he has a good week. Mostert is going to miss about a month. So McKinnon does hold some value trade-wise to anybody that is running back needy. However, guys, if we're going to talk about running backs, let's just talk about the most – Interesting running back situation in the NFL right now, arguably, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs already having dynamic rookie CEH. He had the potential of a rushing title this year in his rookie season. He is on pace to win rookie of the year potentially, and now they bring in Le'Veon Bell. What do you guys think that does to his value moving forward?
1: Moving forward? It's, it's so tough for me on what to do with this situation. Part of me feels like this is just like last year when they brought in McCoy and it ended up being nothing. Then there's a part of me that thinks Bell is not as washed as McCoy was at this time last year. I think Bell will eat into some of his snaps. Maybe he ends up just taking all of Daryl Williams's snaps. But I think... It'll be something to watch out. I think as Bell becomes more accustomed to the, the team, he'll get more and more playing time, and he end he could end up being that fantasy hog. You know, he could be the guy that gets the catches and the touchdowns. So it could be a, definitely an interesting situation over in Kansas City.
0: I agree. I don't really know what much to think of it. I feel like it's gonna have to be a wait and see. Clyde Edwards-Helaire was a basically an RB two could even be at RB1. He's doing so well in yards, but I feel like he's not getting in the end zone. That's why his fantasy numbers aren't as good. But if it's basically yardage and not touchdowns that's getting him his points, that really concerns me when you bring in another running back into the fold, someone with the talent level of Bell. I agree Bell is not as washed up as LaShawn McCoy, and I feel like you're going to have to get him involved or he's just going to be a locker room cancer. So it's either going to bring down the Chiefs, locker room with Le'Veon Bell complaining and wanting carries, or it's going to bring down the value of over to Laird in fantasy.
2: Yeah, guys, with all that being said, I think it just makes the Chiefs' offense that much more dynamic, that much more unstoppable, which has me picking Kansas City in this matchup. Denver is nine-and-a-half point underdogs. I'm not touching that spread. I'm going to keep Kansas City. I don't care that they lost to Oakland. I did it. I did it. Oakland, uh, Las Vegas. I don't care that they lost to Las Vegas two weeks ago. I'm still picking Kansas City in this one. Do you guys have anything different, or are you sticking with Kansas City as well?
1: I'm going to stick with Kansas City, and I'm not going to lie. I totally just now realized why you went after saying Oakland. I, th- I thought they were still in Oakland. <laughs> so uh, no worries on that one. But, yeah, I'm going to take Kansas City with this one. I think they're going to bounce back. Just like I said with Bill Belichick, I don't think an Andy Reid team. He's going to win or lose two in a row, so give me Kansas City.
0: I'm also going to go with Kansas City, basically the same reason that Cody just said. I think Le'Veon Bell does make the team itself better also, and they were already pretty much unstoppable. And uh, Denver's good. I think we underestimate Denver, but they're not Kansas City good.
1: And a quick note on your bell point. For fantasy this week, I'm not concerned about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'd still play him with full confidence. I don't think we'll see Bell start eating into his snaps for at least a few more weeks since it'll be his first game.
2: I agree with you, Cody. Uh, definitely something to monitor there. Be careful if anybody sends you a trade for Clyde Edwards-Alaire trying to sell him high before Bell takes any of his value. I would wait and see before any trades are done. But, guys, I think that's enough of our day games. Let's move into the Sunday night game. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are three-point underdogs. Tampa Bay is coming off that blow off, blowout win against the Packers. I'm sure Cody doesn't want to talk about that anymore. Um, Not at all. You guys are going with the Bucs in this one. Why are you going with Bucks?
1: They just demolished my favorite team. I saw them up close in person. Their defense is very good. Oakland had a huge win the last time they played. And I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Trent Brown was placed on the COVID list, and that caused them to send their whole offensive line home. Now there's still a good chance that if none of their other players break out, that those offensive linemen can come back, but that's something to watch. Even if they're down one or two offensive linemen, I think Tampa Bay will be able to dominate that offensive line.
0: Congratulations. We have found the COVID watch game of the week as it is this one. It seems like there's always at least one in today's NFL, which is frustrating, but luckily we haven't had any major issues in the last few weeks. But no, I mean, Tampa Bay looked really good against Green Bay. That's I agree with Cody there. And Vegas, I just don't like their inconsistency to pick them against good teams with confidence. I think that's the big reason why I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here. Um, Vegas has shown some signs. I really do like Henry Ruggs in that offense now that he's healthy again. I think he adds another really big dynamic to it. Um, And speaking of him, do you guys like Henry Ruggs in fantasy?
1: I do not. Not this week. I think, you know, he's a matchup-based guy, and this is a matchup I'm not a fan of playing him. Now, of course, I say that, and he'll probably get one catch for 70 yards and a touchdown. Have a great fantasy day on one catch, but uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense is incredibly fast, and I don't think that favors Henry Ruggs.
2: Yeah, Cody mentioned it. He could get that one catch for the 75 yards and a touchdown, which is his entire value. He's not the guy that's getting a ton of targets. He's not getting a lot of short catches. He is the take the top off the defense, throw a deep kind of guy. And any guy like that, they're always exciting in fantasy because they could put up big, big points on just one play. But they're also super frustrating because if they don't get that big play, then they're basically a dud for the week. Uh, It's too sketchy to play right now. I would love to roster Henry Ruggs keep him on your bench and hope that he gets a little more consistent but as far as starting him right now I would I would avoid it I wouldn't do it just yet he's too boomer bust for me you know going back to this game though I feel like the Raiders are not a very consistent team they're not even a great team but I think that they could be the uh the legend killers of this year they p- took down the Chiefs when no one expected them to and now after the Bucks just demolished the number one power ranking Green Bay Packers, I feel like the Bucks are going to be riding so high and the Raiders are going to bring them right back down to earth as well. So I'm actually going to pick the upset in this one and I'm going to go with Las Vegas to pull off this
1: game. I don't hate it. I think there is potential. I think like you said, they are the legend killers, um, but it's just for me and it might be some reasons he biased with the whole how well their defense looked last week. But speaking of good defenses, the Chicago Bears have a great defense. They're winning games. This week, the only Monday night matchup is the Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Rams. How are you guys feeling about this one?
2: Yeah, guys, I'm going to go with the Rams in this matchup. I know I've been super hard on the Bears in previous weeks because of the fact that they have Nick Foles starting, and I don't trust Nick Foles. I don't think he's a good quarterback. But the reason they're winning games isn't even because of Nick Foles. It's because of that defense. And that defense is playing so well, that's why they can win games with Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles or whoever wants to step in there and play. I'm even willing to go as far as to say if five-pick Nathan Peterman stepped in and started the game, they might even win with him too. The defense is playing lights out. No quarterback has to do well because they only need to put up 15 points to win. However, I think the Rams are the kind of team that can put up those points to outscore. I think they can actually find a way to beat whatever defense they're facing. I know they struggled last week, but they still have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. They have Higby. They got
0: the running backs. And, you know, I'm going to go with the Rams in this one. I'm with you, Tyler. I'm also going to take the Rams. I think in this matchup, I really like the Rams' depth, as Tyler kind of did talk about a little bit. Uh, They can hit you from so many different places that I think the Bears' defense might not struggle. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, but they can at least put up enough to pull off a victory here in this one. Um, I don't know. I still have such a hard time picking Chicago for anything, and I think it's because of the offense and, with because of fantasy football and things like that, we kind of feel like the offense is supposed to drive the team, but it's a great point that the Bears defense is what's making them win games. Um, I'm so glad that Tyler got a Nathan Peterman uh, drop in this. It's another successful week whenever that happens. But um, I, I'm going to have a hard time myself picking the Bears until I see a little bit more out of the offense. And especially against a good team like LA, I got to go with the Rams.
1: You say a good team in L.A., they have four wins, which is pretty good. But they're all against the NFC least. NFC least chance. Uh, They could be be fakers. And we were all called out last week about putting some respect on the Chicago Bears' name. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears. If I'm going to be wrong in a game this week, I hope it's this one because I hate to see the Bears win. But I'm going to take Chicago – But Chicago has the Rams this week, then they have the Saints, and then the Titans. So these next three weeks will be huge for Chicago on if they're a real team or not. So I think questions and answers will start to be unfolded over the next few weeks. So I think Chicago is actually a team that people slept on. Their defense is good enough to carry them to a playoff potential. So give me Chicago.
0: So that is the last game of the weekend, so we'll remind you one more time, guys. We will post these picks on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at the Couch GMs. Please comment and let us know who you think that we picked correctly, who you think is going to win, lose, talk some trash, and definitely keep suggesting these punishments. We've already done two fan punishments. We'd love to do some more. It's all about getting you guys involved in one way or another, so we would really love to keep this up. So let's move on, guys. We're going to do another lightning round this week. We're going to talk about buying low and selling high on fantasy players. So why don't we start off with Tyler. Tyler, who would you like to buy?
2: All right, my buy low, my first one is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jonathan Taylor, he's such a good running back. That's not a buy low. Guys, it is. Right now, he is probably being valued as a Tier 2, maybe even Tier 3 running back. But he is so much more than that. His schedule coming up is so easy. He's just a must-have in fantasy. So Taylor, this week, is on a bye. But after that, he has Detroit. Uh, Then he's got Tennessee twice. He's got Green Bay, Houston, the Raiders. Uh, Houston, again, they have so Many easy matchups against the run coming up. That Jonathan Taylor is a must-have. Go out, get him before his value skyrockets to tier one.
1: And for me, I'm gonna go for my buy this week. I'm gonna go with DJ Chark. Do, do 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 do. You know, Keelan Cole had a big week last week. Chark is coming off some injuries, but Chark is get still leads the team in targets. You know, Minshew favors him. We saw that all last year. So before this week, get out there, get DJ Chark before it's too late.
0: I'm going to go out and buy Mark Andrews. The tight end spot is a very tough position to find a good player at, and Mark Andrews has been a little bit disappointing with his inconsistency so far this year, but this guy's legit. you got to remember, he was drafted in the second tier of tight ends with someone like a Zach Ertz, and he's the only one from that tier that's panned out. And him just being healthy plus being on an offense as explosive as – the ravens they're not going to have weeks where they don't see he doesn't see that many targets like he did the last few weeks he's going to be a stud go out by mark andrews all
2: right guys i'm going to go right into my sell high the guys you want to trade away and i'm going to start it off with wide receiver for the minnesota vikings justin jefferson Now, don't get me wrong, I think he's a very exciting receiver. He is going to have the potential to give you big weeks. He just did this past week with his 35-point week. But, guys, he's going to frustrate you with inconsistency, I promise you. Some weeks he sees close to 10 targets and has a big week. Other weeks he sees five or less and puts up about three points in fantasy. That's not a guy you want to have to rely on down the stretch. If you can get something big out of him after the big weeks he's just had over the past few Do it. Go trade him. Fix your team. Whether you need a running back, a top tight end, go get that piece. Trade Justin Jefferson and try to get some consistency.
1: Yeah, guys, and I'm going to stick with Tyler going with another rookie wide receiver who has burst onto the scene with wide receiver from Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Chase Claypool could be fantasy relevant the rest of the season. But he has five touchdowns in the last two weeks. Regression is coming. Deontay Johnson is back at practice. Claypool is still seeing less than 80% of the snaps. He will probably be at his highest trade value he'll be at all season. Make sure you take advantage of that. Go out and get a big-name guy that you can count on a weekly basis.
0: Another guy that might end up being semi-fantasy relevant later in the season, a guy we talked about earlier this show, I'm going to sell the Andre Swift. I just don't trust that he's going to get all the carries. He was like the headliner in last week's overreaction theater because he went out and got the touchdowns and really put up huge numbers. But you can't expect that to be consistent if you keep go through this season with Adrian Peterson also in that offense and the way that they've been handling the snap counts. You have to sell DeAndre Swift while you can get maybe RB2 value out of him because that's not realistic
1: for him to hold. Well, that wraps up our lightning round of buy low and sell high. I think we all had some good names out there, so make sure you're out there active in your fantasy leagues. If you have any questions about players or trades that you are considering, feel free to reach out on our social media. We're definitely looking to answer any questions you guys may have. We want to thank you all again for listening. Please subscribe, like, leave a five star review.
2: Yeah, guys, there's a little bit of Couch GMs in all of us, so please get involved. Ask some questions, tell us your picks, suggest some punishments, even talk some trash. Make this podcast more fun for you by letting your inner Couch GM out and getting involved.
0: This has been the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all next Thursday.